morning. Um, I'm continuing today a series which focuses entirely on the Lord Jesus. So far we've looked at Jesus is the Word and Jesus is the Lord, and both are available on YouTube and SoundCloud to watch again or listen again. But you might think that in talking about Jesus' King, I'm just going to say the same things again. But actually there's more to say about the kingship of Jesus. And I looked for a, an image that said Jesus is King, and um, Kanye West got an album out of that name. So YouTube, not YouTube, Google and other search engines were full of Kanye West, who I wish well. I believe he's a believer. I understand he's a believer, though he's still working through some problems, poor guy. But uh, um, So I didn't find a Jesus is King, but I found a King Jesus. So remember last week, Philippians 2, Jesus humbled himself and submitted himself to serve the Father, to become man, to go to the cross, and to die there for us and for our sins. And the Father raised him from the dead, has exalted him to the highest place, and given him all authority, all rule, all kingship, and declaring that Jesus is the name above all names. Thank you very much for the songs earlier, Carmelo. Those fitted in beautifully. There's no place higher, no authority greater than the place and authority which Jesus has. Jesus is king and he rules now. He's not some future king. He's king now. He's ruling in the midst of his enemies until every enemy is under his feet. He will rule until the increase and advance of his kingdom is completed and then the end will come. He rules over us with wisdom power and love, as we sometimes sing. That is, there's only wisdom in his kingly rule over us. Now, when you think about some rulers in the world today, that is a huge relief. Jesus only has wisdom over us and for us. There's only love towards his people, though it is at times the tough love we would expect of a ruler, of a parent, of a father. And there's no shortfall of authority in him for him to do all that he wants to do and intends to do as our king. Now that makes him completely unlike every human authority, every human ruler. What is it to live under the reign of King Jesus? Well, for the sake of time and simplicity, I went back to one of my favorite passages of all time in all scripture, the Lord's Prayer, the pattern prayer. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts or transgressions or errors or faults as we forgive our debtors, those who do those things to us. And do not lead us into temptation, trial, testing, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The Lord Jesus teaches us to pray there to our Father in heaven, but we may also address our prayers to as well as through the Son, Jesus. The Father has appointed him our King. Our King is the King of heaven and earth, and there isn't anywhere else left. <laughs> All right? If he's King of the cosmos, there's no place he's in King. He's the King of all. All means... Oh, okay. I'm making sure you're with me this morning. Risen from the dead and ascended to the throne of God, the Lord Jesus rules from heaven over all things, everything, everywhere. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, I'm, I'm thankful we have a 
queen who is a believer and acknowledges that Jesus is the king over all. And we pray that whoever succeeds him may yet be a person of Christian faith and conviction too. But I'm far more grateful that Jesus reigns than the queen reigns. I'm not ungrateful for the queen, but I'm much more grateful that Jesus reigns and he is my, our king. The whole prayer of the pattern prayer is to our king and about his kingdom. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it finishes with the addition, which may be a late addition, but never mind. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now think about that. That is a prayer of submission to the king. I've said it many times before, but you can't say, let your will be done on earth without leaving your bit of earth out of it. The bit you walk around in. Dust you are and all dust you will return. Your dust needs to honor God and serve his kingdom. And the problem with many of us as Christians, we're always pointing the finger. You, 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 you. Oh, those people, you know. Some people even sit with a shovel when they're listening to sermons, shoveling over their shoulder to somebody else. Let your kingdom come. Here. We are subjects of our king. He has charge over us. We serve a great king. Willing subjects submit themselves to their king and are regarded and rewarded. And there is a bright, comfortable, peaceable relationship between those subjects, those citizens, and their king. But unwilling subjects either complain, even if they then conform, or they rebel and reject the king and his rule. Jesus teaches us here to come and state our submission to our king. We're not grudging citizens, complaining citizens. We're seeking for his kingdom and asking that his will be done on earth, in us and through us, as effectively as the host of heaven, the angels of God, serve him and obey him. We want that to be the way that we do it. How does Jesus reign? Mostly through his word, his law, the law, the word of the king. Your will be done. How do we know his will? Through his word. It's written in James 2 the other morning. Uh, the law of God, the law contained in the scriptures. The law of God contained in the scriptures. I know the word law will get a reaction from some people. That shows what rebels we are by, hum by fallen human nature. We don't like law. We don't like being told to do anything or not to do things. But the Lord governs by his word. He commands. He didn't give ten suggestions. He gave ten commandments. The universe runs by his command. He orders it. He guides and governs by his word, his principles, his instructions, his directions. He declares and reveals his will through his word. And the Bible, the scriptures, are the word of our king to us. The word of his covenant. The first covenant was good, but it couldn't take away sin and its power and stood only until the time when Jesus Messiah came and made the new and better covenant for us. And we remember that every time we take communion together, which we'll do later on. This is the new covenant. It's a better covenant. It gives us power to, to live. Not to fail all the time, but to press on, to overcome, to, put, to deal with issues, to deal with ourselves, to come and find grace and mercy to help in time of trouble. So the scriptures give us the word of the living God. And uh, if you want to do well as a Christian, be faithful at reading, reading, reading your Bible. And doing it too. 
The second bit in that prayer is the provision of our king. The Lord is our provider. I can't pronounce Hebrew, but it's something like Yahweh Jireh or something. Jireh. The Lord is our provider. The provision of the king, which goes like this. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I don't know about you, but you don't, I don't own any bread. I like bread, but bread's not anything I need. Bread there stands for everything we need, the provision of God. Because actually, if you think about it, the picture in the Old Covenant is manna being given from heaven. God's provision from heaven for everything we need. How does bread arrive at the table and in our hands? Through labor and reward for the work of agriculture, milling flour, bakery. We worked and earned the money to buy the bread or the flour or whatever. And yet we acknowledge that beyond that, beyond the work of others and even of ourselves, God is our provider. So the traditional Hebrew blessing when you start a meal is to pick up the piece of flatbread which they're going to use to scoop up the stew with. And they bless God for the bread. He gave it. You might think, well, I grew it. No, I made it. I, I baked it. You know? No, no, no. He gave it. That's a godly mentality about how to get on in life. God is our provider. We don't have power to earn unless he gives us the power to earn. Jesus even called healing children's bread in the Gospels, dealing with uh, someone who wasn't an Israelite. The healing of our bodies, of 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 our beings, is children's bread. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father in heaven, says James. And the Lord Jesus and the Servant of the Mount, from which this pattern prayer is taken, tells us not to be anxious over our needs. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, things you need. Things you'll be worried about, normally speaking, if you're not a believer, shall be added to you. Seek the priority, and God will take take care of the provision. Now, every kingdom has its own economy, and even currency. And we live in our king's economy. I know know we live in the queen's economy in England, but if you look at your banknote, I don't know if you want to take one out at this moment in time, or I'm not saying get ready to give, and that's not what I'm saying. But every coin and every bank, every coin and every banknote has whose hay face on it? The Queen's. All right? They're issued by the Bank of England. It's the Queen's currency. For, our, for, for ourselves as Christians, every bit of our income and cash flow comes from our King. Therefore, in handling income, we need to plug into God's economy, the King's economy. And we give back to our king a tithe, 10%, paid into his house, into the local church, which is then a storehouse for our life and needs as a Christian community. We can then further give to him what is the mark and measure of our gratitude and thankfulness in offerings, which are again gifts to God, and then alms, which is gifts to those in need. Charity, gifts to those in need. Now, I'm not sure that offerings and alms count for much in uh, pleasing God if we don't if we neglect giving what he actually asks for as the first priority, uh, the first fruits, our tithe. That's what he asks of us. So I need to do that and then learn steps more of generosity after that. We live in the Lord's economy of promised provision as we honor him by handling money with generosity, by being, being cheerful givers. If we want God to be generous with us, we need to learn his generosity in the way we handle what he gives to us. The kingdom of Jesus is marked by goodness 
and generosity. And as we freely receive from him, we are to give freely and generously back to him and to the needs of others, whether that's nearby or somewhere in the world. But it's a kingdom of grace and generosity. And we as his citizens need to learn the ways of our king. Grace and generosity. Now, grace is more than giving. And the next one is the pardon of our king. Okay, I know I've gone for peace. Never mind. The pardon of our king. You'll get this one. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. The kingdom of Jesus is a kingdom of grace and mercy. We live under the grace and mercy of our king. And we're to live in grace and mercy towards others including those who upset us and offended us and, yeah, trod on our proverbial corns. Now, our reaction to, oh, you need to forgive them is, well, they don't deserve it. Absolutely right, they don't. Score yourselves 10 out of 10. You don't deserve mercy either. Now you've got it. We're talking about grace and mercy, not about who deserves not about keeping a score. We're talking about releasing people from your vengeance and leaving them in the hands of God. Yes. After the pattern prayer, the Lord Jesus adds this, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Grace is the atmosphere, the climate of the kingdom of Jesus. This is his age, the age of the gospel, and the age of the grace of God. It will end with the day of judgment yet to come on the last day. But right now we live in and by the grace of God, and we must practice grace and mercy towards others, even our enemies. We do not need to condemn them or seek our revenge. That's the Lord's business. If they continue as they are and do not repent, that's in his hands. If, you wish to be continue, if we wish to continue to be forgiven by the Lord, we must learn to be forgiving. And if we value the continuing grace of God, God towards us, we must learn to be gracious towards others. Never lose the taste of fresh grace. It's always new. Lovely scripture in Lamentations. Lamentations is not a, 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 a an invigorating read because Jeremiah is lamenting the destruction of Jerusalem in his day, 586 BC. But listen to this. In the middle of all that, there's this little gem of glory and grace. Though the Lord's mercy, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We need to know how to plug in and find new grace for a new day, every day of our lives. People often lose their grip on faith when they're no longer gripped by a sense of the grace of God. And they become judgmental to others when they forget how precious to them personally is the grace and mercy of God. And then lastly, the protection of the king. His protection in two ways. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, first one is God defending us from something happening. Second one is he, us delivering from us from something which is happening. He defends us, and if he doesn't defend us and allows us to go into this time of trusting, then he will deliver us. He will take us through it. The king protects his people. Ag 
king didn't serve his own interests, but the Father's will and our need. All that Jesus did, he did for the honor of the Father and the good of his people. He who pursued our good to the cost of his own suffering and death still works for our good. Things do not just work out for good. He works all things together for our good. Those who love him and serve him. We're not being guided by some blind fate. We're in the hands of our loving Father and Heavenly King. So the Lord is our defender. He defends us and keeps us from attack and trouble. And he does that more times than we even know. You don't know what he kept you from this last week. You were feeling a bit bruised by something that did happen. You've had no idea what didn't happen because he didn't allow it to happen. That's what we pray for when we pray. Lead us not into temptation, into trial. But when he chooses not to deflect the trouble from us, and we need some pain and some circumstances to grow, right? to mature, to learn character, he will be our deliverer. I'll, he'll either take us out from, out from it or take us through it. But he will be our deliverer as we call upon him and trust him. It's in such times of testing that we grow in faith and in character. Now, the devil would destroy us if he could, but he can't because the Lord is our shield and defender. And the enemy is delimited by the command of God. Jesus has bound the strong man. There are many great promises of the Lord's deliverance and protection in the Scriptures. Carl was referencing one before we went online. Psalm 91, many great and precious promises about the Lord's protection and keeping. And a number of them speak of our sheltering, taking refuge in the Lord. And I think that's a part we have to play. He will be our shelter as we run to him for shelter. He's a rock we need to go to. Rather than say, where are you, Lord? Go to him. Call upon him. Run to him in your time of trouble. There's a shelter there for you. There's a shelter there. When we seek first his kingdom, he's our provider. When we shelter under his hand, in fact, Scripture even talks about us being under his wings like some great eagle protecting the young. He is our protector. If we think we can make our own way through life without the provision and pardon and and protection of this king, well, do you know what? Surely COVID's taught us that's not true. We cannot live without his help. Jesus is king. Okay, question is, is he my king? How alert am I to that? What's the new phrase? How woke am I? The more they wreck the the English language, the more I go, what? Woke? How awake are you to the fact that Jesus is king? Let me put that another way. Is my life in my hands? Or is my life in his hands? One of my favorite gospel songs of all time is uh, Kurt Franklin, My Life is in His Hands. We have a king. We have a savior. Another Sunday to come. We have a shepherd. Another Sunday to come. He's our protector and our provider. So long as we're seeking to love and serve our king, all things are working together for our good. Perhaps today, And I don't know who I'm talking to beyond this room, but perhaps today is the day when you come to accept and act upon this truth. Jesus is your king. You submit yourself into his care, into his charge, his rule.
Stop living like those who don't know God and seek instead his kingdom, his way of living, led by his word, living in his grace and mercy, his provision and his protection. What he doesn't keep you from, he will keep you through. There's a motto for these COVID days, isn't it? Let's take a moment and pray before we break bread together. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you for giving us Jesus as our King. We rejoice in his rulership of grace and mercy and provision and defense and protection. We rejoice that you watch over us, that our names, as the picture language of Scripture tells us, our names are written in the palms of your hands. You've only got to look at your hands and you see our names. Some of us might write something <laughs> in bio in our, on our hand to remind ourselves, you are constantly reminded, Lord Jesus, of who your people are and you pray for us in heaven. Lord, we trust in you, commit ourselves to you. I pray there will be people today who say that, perhaps for the first time or perhaps for the first time in a long time. I trust you, Jesus, my King. Give myself into your care, your charge. I do not need to think I'm my own defender or provider. That is who you are. That is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. That is who you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now we pray this morning for our friends, relatives, workmates, neighbours who are experiencing the illness of covid who've been given a uh, positive uh, result, even if they've not got major symptoms which are causing them to be distressed, Lord. and Others are sheltering because they've been near someone with a positive test. We pray for your, for, Lord, we, you call it children's bread, for the healing that flows from heaven, that flows from, flowed from your hands when you're here amongst us, Lord Jesus, now flows through the Holy Spirit from heaven to us. We pray for the healing power of the name of Jesus to come to our friends to our family. Bring us through. What you don't keep us from, keep us through, Lord, and bring us out the other side. We trust you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to break.